Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of Schmerz Day, July 25th, 2022. On the show today, news, listener questions, and surveys. Plus, special guest Christina is here to tell you her top three food picks from this year's Food and Wine Festival at Epcot. In our main segment, Jim tells us what happened when Disney converted Norway's Maelstrom ride over to Frozen Ever After, with the help from the guy who originated the role of Bandana Dog in the 2010 animated classic Marmaduke. Honestly, I don't know where Jim finds these people. But let's get started by bringing in the man who says that TV shows that display good-looking food should be required by law to tell you which app delivers it. It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? It's going great. A quick food-related question. Len, have you been following the Julia show over on HBO Max, the story of Julia Child? No. Is it good? They've done a great job of just explaining the whole history of how she became the premier woman cookie on television. The way it starts out is she got invited on public television in Boston. She had written her French cooking book and they thought, okay, that we invited her to the book show, mm-hmm. you know, and she's going to talk about her book. And, and no, Julia shows up with a hot plate and proceeds, and an apron. <laughs> and proceeds to no, cook really? an omelet in the middle of the book segment. You laugh. You laugh. And an omelet is often the cooking test that restaurants give to chefs. Is it because really? if you can't make an omelet, you can't do anything. Oh, okay. Yeah, the omelet is sort of the litmus test. It's like the stuff. Okay, so anyway. It ends with the host sort of scrambling off the set because nobody's ever cooked on a book yeah. show before. But the crew immediately, you know, is it simply, can, can we eat that? You know, yeah. <laughs> is it a prop or can we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that segment of the book show winds up getting the most mail they've ever gotten for any show on GBH in Boston. And that's what launches the show. And she has the happiest crew in television because it's like, you you like Julia. Oh, I, screw, I screwed up this chicken. Here, eat it. There we go. You know, it's just sort of like people used to fight for that gig. It's like, no, no. We're cooking today. I, I get to eat. My all-time favorite Julia Child quote is mm-hmm. she was looking at a, um, a really well-presented plate of food. And she said, oh, my God, this looks lovely. You just know that someone's fingers were all over it, <laughs> which, which is an acknowledgement of the craft of presentation along with what goes on behind the scenes. Like, it's the perfect it's the perfect quote. Like, this is what you have to do to make it look like this. I once got to go to Savinor's in Cambridge, Massachusetts. That was Julia Child's butcher. Anything that was cooked on the show, the meat came from there. And so I got to meet George Savinor, the owner of the show. And and the thing is, he come behind the case with me. It's like, okay. And it's like, you know, and it's like, okay. And it was trying to explain to me, get her the effect of, all right, how do I know this is quality meat? Touch it. Feel the grain. You could feel the fat. This is a great piece of meat. And I kept thinking the same thing. And you're going to turn around and sell this this afternoon to somebody else, you know, after I've been manhandling this amazing piece of beef. Yeah. I mean, it's it, you. If you if you want to eat good food, you don't want to know how it's made, and that's that's what it comes down. There we go, right. and, I, and kind of ironic because we're going to bring Chrissy on shortly. That's right. We have a wine. special we have a special guest on the show today, Christina from touringplans.com. Welcome back, Christina. <laughs> Christina, you sorry, there? sorry, sorry, missed my mute button. Hi. <laughs> Hello. All right. Before we get started, Jim, let's do a quick shout out to subscribers over at Disney Dish. Bandcamp.com. Thanks to new subscribers Michelle Foley, Annie Barton, and Brian Fleming, and longtime subscribers El Dorado87, Zwiedema, and Bob Stagner. Jim, these are the folks who came up with the new Beauty and the Beast lighting package for Spaceship Earth over at Epcot. They say that while it came out well, 
Their original idea was to project the rolling boulder from Indiana Jones, but the staff kept running into World Showcase Lagoon to avoid it. True story. <laughs> oh, has this really debuted? A Beauty and the Beast lighting package? I believe it has. Yeah. Wow. I saw the the Fourth of July stuff, which was lovely. But oh man, they are killing if not, it. It's coming the... up. Maybe 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 we shouldn't be talking about it. Maybe we don't know. Yeah. No, no, no. I didn't hear that segment. <laughs> All right, Jim, let's do the news. Folks, the Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish podcast. For a worry-free travel experience every time, book online at storybookdestinations.com. Jim, Disney announced uh, that this coming Wednesday, July 27th, is the launch of Magic Band Plus. Like the original Magic Bands, Magic Band Plus will get you into the parks, serve as your Genie Plus media, and function just like the old model for things like hotel room doors. But Magic Band Plus adds new features, including haptic feedback, that's vibrations, as well as uh, gesture recognition, among other things. Uh, that should, in theory, open up a whole bunch of in-park interactive game playing. And Jim Disney's already announced the first of these, which piggybacks on the existing gameplay in Galaxy's Edge. It's uh, Batu Bounty Hunters. Hmm. Have, you, uh, have you heard of this? I have not. What does this entail? So it's a combination of using your Magic Band Plus mm-hmm. to, um, you know, to uh, wave your arms around to unlock puzzles and secrets and things like that, combined mm-hmm. with the Play Disney Parks app, which uses you know, the screen basically to tell you what to do. It's, uh, it's similar to what uh, Chris and I did in Batu on the Galactic Star Cruiser, where we were using the app, um, especially the camera-facing features of the app, to identify certain parts of um, like crates and mm-hmm. artifacts that you're supposed to find. It's an elaborate scavenger hunt. My okay. sense is um, the Magic Band Plus thing is uh, an additional layer on that. But Jim, what do you think this portends for in-park interactive games? And here I'm thinking like, is this basically the, the foundational element of the next generation of Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom, for example? In talking with, with folks at the park, as they have been creeping up attendance levels, especially at the Magic Kingdom, they are really missing mm. sorcerers. If you factor in all of the individual stations around the It's park, a Peter Pan. Would, it's yeah, it's one it Peter exactly. Pan's worth of lost capacity, yeah. Yeah, we would really love to have that sort of gameplay to sort of take some heat off of the attraction. Yeah. So yeah, the studios definitely needs additional capacity. So if yeah. th- this is launching there, but but yeah, that there's a the number of other parks that are raising their hands are like, yeah, let's do that. When do we get ours? I'm thinking that Disney can combine elements of three separate things to solve different problems using the Magic Bands. We've talked in the past, recently in fact, about um, the Disney Institute mm-hmm. not having enough traction, right? Also, we know that Disney is missing, having trouble hiring uh, back-of-house staff for kitchens. Mm-hmm. Imagine, Jim, and I'm just I'm spitballing here, mm-hmm. a, a Magic Band Plus game where they hand you a knife and teach you to chop vegetables correctly <laughs> that can be used for food in Disney restaurants. And they they make you run around to different restaurants throughout the day in whatever park you're in to prepare the food, but make it a game. Gamify it. <laughs> and there's a Remy vibe in there. Maybe we debut this in Epcot. I don't know. Chrissy, um, yeah, help me out here. I'm going to be honest with you. The idea of me having to move more in 180 degree heat. when Oh, it's I'm, the heat index is barely above 110. Okay, because I'm going to test this out <laughs> next week. But I'm going to make sure I play music over me cussing, showing everybody as I move my arms, my sweat. Plus, nobody should be raising their arms in this weather. 
Yeah, it's just an offense to humanity. We'll play this in September or December. Exactly. Yeah, December, when it's <laughs> not, only like 90. Not now. Yeah. yeah. Enough about this alleged climate change. Please, continue with the news. <laughs> uh, speaking of uh, food and things Christy and I are going to do, Victorian Alberts reopens this week. Christy and I are going, and we'll have a full report for the show uh, for the show on August 8th. Also, Jim, I don't know if you've seen this, but the uh, the gift shop at the end of Space Mountain, the Tomorrowland Light and Power Company, uh, closes at the end of August so that work can happen on the combined exit for Tron and Space Mountain, which is going to go through that space. Mm -hmm. And along those lines, Jim, we've started to see vehicle testing on Tron in the last few days. So, Jim, you recall my prediction for a while has been a December 1st opening for Tron. How's that looking these days? They would love to have it ready out ahead of the Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving crowds. But in fact, have you been keeping track on the work that's going on with the Walt Disney World Circle uh, train? Uh, you know, the, yeah, the train, the, they're, they're starting to uh, uncover some of the train tracks around the Walt Disney World Railroad. The hope is for Labor Day, that's up and running. They're running and gunning, trying to make Thanksgiving, but you're not wrong about the December 1st thing. I, I think those who are actually working on the project who want to err on the side of caution. It's like, we'll definitely have it ready for Christmas and hopefully a couple of weeks out ahead of Christmas. Yeah, and, but you think 2022 instead of 2023? Oh, no. They feel especially on the heels of what happened with the, the, the 50th anniversary. It's like the press run to Cosmic Rewind. It's like, okay, new thrill ride. Please yeah. just ride the other thrill ride. Come ride this thrill ride. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, um, you know, Epcot is getting a, an attendance boost from Guardians of the Galaxy. That's pretty plain to see. And the one-two combination of Remy last year and Guardians this year is, is really helping what would otherwise be a really struggling theme park. No, absolutely. But at the same time, the fact that after all these years of hearing the, the phrase vomit comet used, <laughs> the notion, here is actually the ride, the, the Venn diagram works, it exemplifies, hey, you go out into space and you get sick. Yeah. It's it's the vomit comet. Maybe not print up those t-shirts right away, Jim, but soon. There we go. All right, let's do a couple of quick surveys. Uh, Jim, Disney must be sending out a bunch of surveys regarding its apps and website, because we've got a ton of them over the past couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, here's one from Gene, who says, uh, here's a website and app usability survey I got from Disney. As an aside, I stopped by guest services today to ask a question and was given a different answer than I expected. When I said, that's not what it said on the website, the cast member said, well, the website's wrong a lot of times. <laughs> the, uh, but so the question that Gene sent in says, uh, regarding the Walt Disney World website, does it make me want to spend more time at the Walt Disney World Resort? Do you strongly agree, agree, neither agree or disagree, disagree or strongly disagree? And does the website help me discover things to do at the Walt Disney World Resort that I wouldn't have considered otherwise? Oh. And then the third question is, does the Walt Disney World website provide recommendations that are useful for me? Uh, and for that one, Gene uh, answered, I strongly disagree with that, and then got follow-up questions about what went wrong. Likewise, uh, our friend Elizabeth sent in a different survey that mm -hmm. also asked about the Disney World website. And the question goes like this. Based on your experience with DisneyWorld.com, mm -hmm. how much do you agree or disagree with the following statements? The Disney World website makes me want to spend more time at the Walt Disney World Resort. Uh, and so uh, Elizabeth said, neither agree nor disagree. Exceeds my expectations of what a Disney digital experience should be like. And that one got a disagree from Elizabeth. Provides recommendations that are useful for me. So that's another uh, uh, example question. There's the same. Strongly disagree on that. Makes it feel like Disney knows me. And let me just say right here, 
for Disney to put that question on a survey when Disney knows that you have to log in two or three times in the app and then when they kick you out to the website to make a park reservation, that question should not be on this survey because we already know the answer, right? Helps me discover things to do at the Walt Disney Resort that I wouldn't have considered otherwise. That was a strongly disagree. Makes it feel like Disney cares about their guests. And Elizabeth here was diplomatic and said, just plain disagree on that. But Jim, do any of these answers surprise you? Just the fact that they are asking, this is finally part of the conversation. How is our front door? Please tell us. And does it make you want to come in? The other thing I wanted to point out here is that um, in this particular survey, Disney uses DisneyWorld.com, but is there there's a rumor going around that Disney's going to change the name of the resort to Disney World as one word, like Disneyland? <gasps> Have you seen that? Some of this has to do with quote unquote brand issues. That's what I thought. We yeah. actually saw Walt Disney Pictures become Disney within the past decade. And do we finally default to what people are actually calling the resort? They're not saying the the Walt Disney World Resort. They're saying Disney World. Disney World, yeah. And then a lot of people do actually say it as one word. Yeah. Or uh, write it out as one word, yeah. Yeah. Do we pretend this is the name we insist you use? <laughs> you know. Yeah. Is, is this the battle we want to fight? Is this the hill we're going to die on? No, yeah. that's it exactly. You know, yeah. My name is Jonathan Moore. No, we call you Skippy. Okay, you're <laughs> Skippy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So the reason, Jim, I, uh, I mentioned the, um, the Disney website surveys is that it's a setup for an email that we received from a longtime friend of the show who's going to remain nameless okay. for reasons that will be obvious in about 10 seconds. And he wrote in and said this, just started a new job at a Fortune 100 company and took some training on creating a good user experience for a digital platform. Typically, these classes mix good examples with bad to reinforce the lessons they're trying to teach. For the bad example, the user experience team picked the Disney World website. Without signing in, we picked up 78 cookies in five minutes, just navigating around the Walt Disney World pages. Then we signed in, and that demo showed how the not signed in cookies break Disney's platform once you sign in or visit other Disney sites. The takeaway was that there needs to be one team sending only a few cookies and then pressure testing them across the company's platforms. I heard you talk about this on the podcast, and I thought you'd chuckle knowing that the Disney World website is part of a formalized corporate curriculum on what not to do to users. Oh, <laughs> wow. So, Jim, it's one thing for you and I to complain, right, about yeah. the website and stuff. But when you're used as a bad example oh. by another Fortune 100 company, we're like, don't do this to your users. You know, that's That's got to be a call to action, right? It has to be. And clearly somebody in the building is championing, look, we have to fix this. You know, we yeah, really, really, yeah. you know, uh, it's time. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the issues that, uh, so when I communicated back and forth with this person, I think the thing that we realized was there are so many siloed groups that work on the Disney's website that it, it's one of the fundamental causes, the root causes of this problem. Because you might be in a group and you might say, hey, I am going to write this little, you know, computer cookie to the user's computer. And then when I need it, I'll go back and read it. And what you don't realize is that there might be other people reading or writing similar or the same cookies who can overwrite what you have so that what you thought was going to happen doesn't actually happen. And that's what breaks your further assumptions. So to our friend's point about that, there needs to be one team setting only a few cookies and then pressure testing them across the company's platforms. I am absolutely certain that would help. And I'm also absolutely certain that that doesn't happen right now. 
So that is one way to fix that problem. Okay. Cool. That's good, though. I mean, uh, you know, the first part in fixing a problem is measuring the extent of the problem, right? So hopefully we'll see something here on that. I've run out of measuring tape. <laughs> exactly. like, How big is All right, it? enough. I've, I've, I've told you about this before. Like when, because um, we've done something similar. Every once in a while, we do it with a touring plants website, and we basically ask people like, "What's wrong with the site that you would improve?" And so Fred, our statistician, uh, you know, designs the questions, and you know, every time he, every time we go through these, he's like, "Do you have a bottle of scotch handy?" Because we're going to sit down and we're going to go through this, and it's not personal, but. You know, this might help. So it's like asking the world, do I look fat in these jeans? You know, there we go. It's just, when you ask yeah. that question, you have to be you ready have to for the answer. The feedback. Exactly. exactly. All right. Uh, one more survey from Amy, who describes herself as a touring plants in Disney dish super fan. Thank you, Amy. Um, sent in this survey received after a stay at Copper Creek. And it's interesting because it's one of the most extensive surveys I've ever seen for just the hotel part of a Disney vacation. So a couple of questions here. Please rate your overall experience at Copper Creek Villas and Cabins. Excellent. Very good. Good. Just okay. Poor. Please rate your room experience at the Copper Creek Villas and Cabins. And in this particular case, um, Amy said that it was excellent. So there was a follow-up question. Why did you give a rating of excellent for your room experience at Copper Creek? And Amy's answer was, the room was beautiful and it matched the photos and descriptions I'd seen prior to my arrival. So it met all of my expectations. Hmm. And so, Jim, that's an example of the website working absolutely the way it should, right? Mm -hmm. The yep. thing that you advertise on the website should be the thing that guests see. And in this case, it was. So full marks, 100 out of 100. Mm -hmm. uh, the last question that I thought was interesting, and I want to get your take on this, Jim. How much do you agree with the following statement? I was able to access the amenities and services at Copper Creek at the level to which I expected. Strongly agree, somewhat agree, neither agree or disagree, somewhat disagree, or strongly disagree. I've never seen that question before, Jim. What, uh, what's the purpose of that? As lovely as the Copper Creek villas and cabins are, mm -hmm. they are a trifle pricey. Yeah, and, yeah. and when you say trifle pricey at Walt Disney World, it, you know, that, that's, yeah. that's a prism. <laughs> so the whole like saying the sun of, is warm. Yeah, <laughs> yes, <you know>. that's <laughs> it, exactly. So at that price point, you expect everything. All the gestures the choosy work, you know, they're, they're all, yeah, all the all the appliances work, all of yes. the light switches work, all of the pillows are comfortable, right? You expect everything to be correct, right? That's it exactly. You cannot fall short in any way, and and, and this answer neither agree nor disagree. It just just sort of like yeah, that's not the answer. That's a fail on that question, yeah, honestly. I mean, yeah. yeah, what you want there at that price range is you want everyone to say strongly agree. Yes, I agree. Okay. All right. So that makes sense. So then, so because we've seen Disney um, on surveys ask questions around you know, value for the money paid and stuff like that. So I think this is probably a follow-up question on that. Okay. That's great. But Jim, we're not going to ignore Universal. Our friend Joe sent in a Universal Orlando survey about bundling home streaming services into theme park perks. So here's a question um, that was floated in Joe's survey, and it was this benefit. Mm -hmm. And it was early park entry at Universal. VIP lounge access, which, by the way, I love at Universal, plus the Peacock streaming service and free movies. Would you pay forty nine ninety nine a year for that? Mm. Jim, I believe this is what the kids call vertical integration. Christy, tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> I haven't been a kid for 25 years, but I'll go fine. <laughs> the kids on their TikToks are all about vertical integration. These the TikToks, the, yeah. The TikToks, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just sometimes makes me crazy how smart universal is these days i mean yeah. something like that tying peacock to early park entry to the lounge to you know again yeah. making people feel and for special 50 dollars a year yeah that's the sort of thing that makes you think 
I really needed to go to Universal. I paid $50 a year for you know my streaming service and I get this cool early park entry in my VIP lounge. So I need to take advantage of that. I mean, that's one of the things that spurs the thing that Disney covets. You know, when they build an attraction, the, the phrase is actually intent to visit. Intent to visit, yeah. I want to go because of this. I mean, I'm pretty sure I can eat $50 worth of Danish in the VIP lounge <laughs> without without breaking a sweat. I mean, I I am confident. Yeah, I'm confident, <laughs> confident in that. Yeah, they would... They would okay. This would be one of those um, red lobster, uh, all-you-can-eat crab leg scenarios where they lose money and the CEO gets fired because of me. Yeah, uh, 100%, no doubt. Oh, by the way, Jim, speaking of Universal, have you seen the patent for the ride vehicle mechanism for uh, Mario Kart? So clever. Yeah, yeah. I want to see what grade coffee maker they are using at the Epic Universe site because the steel is just... Oh, they're just injecting it uh, beans directly. Yeah, we're we're bypassing the whole digestive system here and going straight to the bloodstream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've already got steel or going vertical on this. I mean, it's... There's got to be some sweaty palms over in Glendale. That's all I'm saying. All right, we got time for one listener question, then we're going to uh, talk to Christina. Mm-hmm. Listener questions from Suzanne, who says, uh, I'm catching up on missed episodes, and I just listened to number 377, mm-hmm. which discusses the huge crane that's now at Blizzard Beach near Runoff Rapids. While at Typhoon Lagoon in the first week of June, hey, that rhymes, there were two cast members that were in the Lazy River doing Disney trivia. They said it was a new thing that was being tested out, activity hosts at the water parks, and they floated around in sparkly tubes and had laminated tr- trivia cards. People in the area enjoyed it. Chrissy, how is this not a job for you? I was I was just searching. Suzanne says, uh, I asked one of them about the status of Blizzard Beach, and she said that a tube conveyor belt was being installed for one of the sets of slides, one which you previously had to carry your tube up to. So I'm guessing it's for runoff rapids. I wonder if this is perhaps what the crane is for. That sounds like a great idea. And one of my, not complaints, but one of the things that we sometimes see guests struggle with is exactly this carrying one of those you know family style tubes up a set of stairs especially if you've got small children that you're trying to corral in that case having a conveyor belt would be a welcome welcome addition here so suzanne i hope though i hope exactly this one is the crush and gusher wasn't that a day one feature of that yeah for, for the for the newer for the newer coasters it is but for some of the older ones like and I'm, I'm blanking on the name but there's definitely a family coaster where you actually have to carry up the tube up some mm-hmm. stairs and it is a workout. I mean, there's no way around it. Genius idea. All right. It's time for uh, to bring Christina into the show. Christina, you have been running around in the hot, hot Florida sun because, as everyone knows, July is harvest season in, in, in Epcot. And, uh, and that means the Food and Wine Festival. So uh, you are here to talk about the three best foods and drinks at Food and Wine and then the three things to avoid. Where do you want to start? Well, um... First of all, if I can say we really need to open Blizzard Beach because Gigi and I go to Typhoon Lagoon once a week. And honestly, after 1130, you cannot be in that wave pool. Or it's like that video of the one in China where there's all you don't see water. You just see the floats. <laughs> do you know, do you know yeah. what I mean? And then the wave comes and it's like uh, it feels like that. It's too much. But anyway, I've got top three food items, top three drinks because for science, I had to try all the drinks. And then the three things to avoid. If I promise to go fast, can we do all yeah, of them? Yeah, so let's start with the three best foods at Food & Wine. Now, you've, right. you've done this. You've eaten everything at Food & Wine for the last couple of years. I've seen the receipts, so I know. Yes, that is why I buy new clothes. <laughs> <Every>. <laughs> but you look lovely. Yeah. 
all. Now, the thing I say, um, I will say I do miss is you remember last year at the Rotunda, we had the crab parfait. That's right. there because the Rotunda is open because Voices of Liberty are back and we're happy they're back. But I miss that. Yeah. That was lovely. Also, anyway. it was air conditioning. Well, also, yeah, also the industrial strength air conditioning. Yeah. Maybe. It's just the best $6.50. Okay. So I'll say this. I'll preface my top three food items with the understanding that when I'm paying and you're not paying, I am cheap. Okay. All right. When you're paying, drink's on the house. It's, I mean, it's like Scrooge McDuck in, uh, in Las Vegas, right? All right? Yeah. You want two? I'll buy you two. All right. But I have to take your mother often and Giovanna and unfortunately, you know, then I pay for that. So I have I have to think about it like from a regular you know, human, somebody without lens corporate card. So in my mind, I see $8 and $9 and I'm old enough to remember the olden days of Epcot food festivals when everything was like three seventy five and four twenty five. And I know inflation, blah, blah, blah. But the sizes of everything has gone down except for Germany. And we'll get to that. Everything is smaller. Hmm. Everything up in price. So to me, if it's eight or nine dollars, like it has to be spectacular because for twenty one bucks, I can get the charcuterie at La Cellier and I can sit down. Right. You know, and, I mean, we, and okay. we've and we've talked about um, uh, food items like the seafood boil at the United States Pavilion, where that was like seven or eight dollars, but the amount of food that you got was such a good was, was oh, so yeah. plentiful that it was a good yeah. deal, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. But that's a whole skip this year. The hops and barley, whole skip. They finally got rid of that lobster roll because it was like two pieces of lobster and it was like $48 or something. But let's talk about the best stuff. Okay. The best stuff for me is all, I wanted it to be cheap. I wanted it to be filling and it had to be good. That was my goal going in. The thing I discovered is there are so many spicy dishes this year. Like Really? spicy for the sake of pain like i don't mind a spice like a wee bit of you know flavorful slow burn but like hot that my face hurt and now i'm mad and i want to throw it because that's what you want in july in florida you know, yeah I'm a- hab- habanero sauce yeah yeah that's what it do you have like, like a do you have like a ghost pepper that i could sort of cool <laughs> off with here that's what it felt yeah. like okay so the things that I am listing, uh, one of them has a wee tiny bit of spice, but it's lovely. It's not bad. Okay. So my third favorite was the crispy Brussels sprouts from the Brewing Odyssey. Mm. So that's indoors, AC. It's a huge serving, five bucks. Oh, and they've so, um and they've taken out the Epcot Experience, so there's plenty more seating there too, right? Yeah. Here's the thing. The first day of the festival, it was all tables and chairs. The second day of the festival it was all the standing tables, which means now many of the standing tables around World Showcase are gone. For example, you don't got no tables anymore at Greece. So they moved all of the standing tables uh, to the Odyssey? We're bringing in more. I will be back again this weekend, but I'm just telling you okay. from day one to day two to day four, huh. we moved a bunch of tables. <laughs> all right. So go back to the Brussels sprouts. Um, what did you like Brussels about the Brussels sprouts? They're um, they're crunchy. The first day, they had just a wee bit of buffalo sauce. Okay. The second and the fourth day, it was too much. So okay. my advice is just to say, hit me slow with, with yeah, the Go light on the sauce. sauce. Delicious. So the, one of the things we've, we've talked about, I don't know if we've, we've talked about it this show, but you and I have talked about it, how um, like Brussels sprouts are going through a resurgence over the last 10 years because a new, uh, less bitter cultivar was released that, um, that basically... Oh, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes, but you're right. But you're right. But you want a little bit of bitter because the yeah, sauce yeah. on it mm-hmm. is a little bit sweet. The cheese a little bit sweet. But yes, they're comp- they're not the same Brussels sprouts. So how, how so they're they're roasted? Yeah, so the edges are crunchy as they should be. Is there like an I oil mean, on top or anything? Or um, it's a buffalo sauce. Just a buffalo sauce. Yeah, so good. Oh my okay. gosh. All right, fantastic. All right, what else did you like? Yeah, the official. It just says buffalo sauce um, officially in the description, but there, there's a little bit of cheese on there. So the number two item not to be missed is from a booth that I 100% recommend getting everything from, and that's the Swanky Saucy Swine. It's right at the front. Yeah. Dear mm-hmm. heavenly goodness, there's a grilled pork shoulder lettuce wraps. The serving is <laughs> Wait, grilled pork shoulder, but in lettuce because it's healthy. Jim, 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 remember, this is the booth that you and I went to last yes! year together because of Chrissy's recommendation. Remember, Nancy's a snuggletarian. I'm not allowed to eat anything <laughs> with cute eyes. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but lettuce is my get out of jail free card. It's like, exactly. look, yeah. it's in lettuce. <laughs> look, this is practically a salad. I mean, no, no. <laughs> The lettuce, the lovely bib lettuce. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's a oh. dark green. It's, oh, it's, yeah. Bib lettuce is good. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like a large uh, spinach leaf, right? It's got that vibrant, deep green salad. color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I'm yeah. just going to step away for a moment. I need to make a plan reservation. You you two talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bring a bib. And there we go. Here's the best part. It's two giant servings for five twenty five. So it, it takes every one of my boxes. And it's not spicy. It's not going to burn your face off. Also... We'll get to that, but my top favorite drink two years running is the Bloody Mary from the Swanky Saucy Swine. Um, the candied bacon wasn't on it the first day, but because of science, I've had to get it three more times. It's there now. It's enormous. You get to keep the cup. It has oh, the wow. highest alcohol content, I believe, again. It did last year. It's very strong. It's definitely for old, crusty alcoholics who've had, you know, you. the reason you used to have Bloody Marys was because you needed, you know, a little hair of the, the dog. Hair of the dog, exactly. Yeah. Like us, you know, you've had those tequila nights and then the next day you're like, I need to recover. Mm. So good. Okay. That's wonderful. So So, the lettuce wrap. So everything at the Saucy Swine? Everything. Just get it all. Just get it all and get the Bloody Mary. The Bloody Mary is only 11 bucks, but we'll get to that. The number one favorite item and and all of my favorite items were cheese based. (laughs) (laughs) Speaks to... I think who I am as a person. Yeah. But <laughs> you identify as, as 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 cheese. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Number one item is the crispy paneer in India, which is between China and Germany. I've never tried this. Oh, okay. Really? It's paneer. Cheap. Five bucks. Okay. okay. All right. A huge serving for five dollars. And I'm I'm talking in terms of Epcot huge, yeah. Disney huge. Right, okay? right. It is delicious. The entire booth is lovely. Lovely. Cannot go wrong. It's worth a stop. So good. And you know what? They have a little more pep in their step than some of the other booths. I don't know what it is. Hmm. I won't complain about the ones I was going to complain about. But they move fast. Everybody's always extremely nice. The food is amazing. Crispy paneer. Don't skip. Paneer is, it's a softer cheese, right? And it's- It is almost like a squeaky cheese. Like if you like poutine. Yeah. Shout out to Canada. Yeah. Then this texture is very similar. It's also like really well fried, like um, tofu. Oh, so basically, of- this is the Indian version of mozzarella sticks. It is. It's grown okay. up cheese sticks. That's what I said. Yes. Okay. So good. 
so good. You don't even need the dipping sauce, but it's good. And how does okay. that? And how does that feel? How does it feel eating cheese sticks in you know ninety five degree weather or with the heat index one hundred and four or whatever? It's my life now. This is what I do. <laughs> this is what I do. This is look. <laughs> there's there's some things I can control, Len. There's some things no, I, I can't do. control. <laughs> I got the Bloody Mary first, so I don't know if that. Oh helps. yeah, yeah. Well, no, it's a um, it's a uh, it's a it's to cool you down. I mean, you're just you're just taking care of your body. Well, there's ice in it. So I was basically... Was and vegetables. Like, and vegetables. Yeah. So honorable mention has to go out to Greece, the griddled cheese. It was not open on opening day because, as you always say, they were completely surprised by the festival. But it is open now. Now, here's the weird thing. So it is, it's four seventy five, which is lovely. But sometimes, because again, for science, I've been many times. Sometimes you get one piece and sometimes you get two. And I can't figure out why. Like there is no, I'm trying to be super nice all the time. <laughs> I yeah. don't know why, but sometimes you get a double helping of fried cheese. Huh. And I don't know. I don't know why, but it's awesome. It's all good. Huh. How about that? Maybe if you uh, uh, say something nice about Kelly Savalas, you, I, you get extra. He's great, sure right? The 19 year old working the register. Are behind the, I don't think, Glenn. I, don't, I think. Does that, anybody even know who that is anymore? We're so old. No. <laughs> Don't do that. I, I just I just did a joke that only Jim understands, which is I, fine. I, <laughs> Tilly Savalas was Greek, actually, by the way. I mean, he's from yes, he born in the United States. What casino was that he used to do? Oh. Casino ad. Anyway, yeah, I'm old okay. too. Okay. <laughs> All right, so that's great. All right, so so cheese is what I'm hearing is the highlight of uh, well, no, Brussels sprouts, and lettuce Brussels sprouts. sprouts, and then cheese. Nothing that I would recommend is over 525. All right, so so just let me go, go through the four food groups here you're recommending. Cheese, including including the subset of flaming cheese. Right, Jim's salad with a little bit of side pork. Um, I mean, yeah, Jim's, Jim's um, salad with um, pork accoutrement. Right, right, okay. right. The Bloody Mary is the third. Well, third. no, that's what that's my drink. I just had to talk about it. It's a, it's a, it's basically a liquid form of salad, though. I mean, if you put it it's in a blender. Thick and chewy, yeah, essentially. It's a gazpacho. And then Brussels sprouts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think this is your guide to healthy eating. All right. Let's not go that far. But <laughs> Someone get the FDA on this. I think we should do a show. <laughs> I love that the very best thing that this year's food and wine, you don't really have to walk into World Showcase. I mean, it's it's right there. You, know, you, yeah. you, you, you come out of what used to be Future World, hang the left, and it's like, oh, here I yeah. am. And grab a bench, sit down, and it's like, yeah, the rest of the countries I can see them from here. Don't worry about fine, it. Fine, fine, fine. Yeah. Back in the AC, man. Yeah. That's, that's key. <laughs> All right, and then Chrissy, real quick, the uh, the three things to avoid because it's a, uh, um, in the words of Oscar Wilde, it's not enough to succeed; others must fail. What are the okay. three things to avoid? All right, you have to get the Guinness Bailey's coffee shake from Ireland. Mm -hmm. Guinness uh, Bailey's coffee. Eleven fifty. Is that it? Is enormous. <sighs> is that nitro? Is it like a nitro brew? But uh, nitro brew? No, Leonard. This is this is Ireland. Well, they don't. Well, do but, but Guinness Guinness is nitrogen in it. That's what makes the bubbles. It's a nice, thick, chewy. It doesn't have that fake coffee taste that some like chocolate coffee drinks have, like the one in um, Belgium has. It doesn't have that funky aftertaste. It makes your tongue fuzzy. I don't know what it is. Love it. So good. Okay. What to skip? Conversely, skip okay. all of the food in Ireland. It is nursing home food. Not even. I've had nursing home food. It's not. It is terrifyingly bad. Is it the really? Seafood, oh my gosh. The seafood pie, I had to eat it. I was very grossed out. I was very upset. It's so overcooked. 
I mean, you want to cry over it. It's tiny, got smaller. It is still bad. Throw the whole booth away. I, I can't imagine a scenario where I would say, I'd be walking around Florida in July and say, you know what I could go for right now at lunch? Seafood pie. Like there's no scenario. I would, I would rather go hungry. Honest to God. The thing here is that it's literally the Woody Allen joke made real. You know, the, the food here is terrible. Yes, in such small portions. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sign for the entire Ireland booth. So. <laughs> the food is terrible in so small portions. Oh my God. <laughs> the good news is Ireland has a line because it smells as bad as it looks. So go get your shake, hold your nose, and keep it moving. Oh God. All right. Okay. The other thing to skip is the whole Australia booth. Really? Oh. Ricey. The shrimp was so overcooked. I'm going to go back. I don't want to because it was so gross. But I'm going to go back again because maybe it was opening day again. Maybe they didn't get the memo. Yeah. I'm going to go back and try it. Everything is smaller. The lamb chop. Leonard, I don't want to think about how small this lamb was. Rest in peace, Lambert. And I know he was a lion. Don't come at me. But it was so tiny. It looked like, you know, those little five surprise things that Gigi has. It looks like something that's made for like her doll. This is like, it's coming from a, a beanie baby sheep, right? Is that what, that's where we're, where we're harvesting these things from? Oh. And the cake, the lamington cake is so small. I looked at the cake, looked at the person, looked at the cake, looked at the, and I was like, are you being serious with this? Are we being for real? And, and then it, knowing knowing you, there was profanity in the middle of that sentence too. <laughs> in my head, but I would never cut the cast member. But it tastes worse than honestly, like your best Easy Bake Oven. Really, deal. Australia it's bad. Oh. It's incredibly tiny, not good. Just skip the whole dang booth. The thing for me with with the Australia booth is it's the same thing every year. Well, but a lot of them are, and that's okay as yeah. long as it. Uh, it's the same thing I want to come back to, you know, every like grilled, griddled cheese. Yeah. I'm coming for okay. you. Well, yeah. I mean, but that's, if it's good, but if it's, if it's not good, why do you keep doing it? Like literally the definition of insanity. The last thing I have to say to absolutely skip, even though it was scrum tralescent, Canada raised the price in their filet to nine twenty five, And I took about 50 pictures with the fork to show scale. When I tell you it is not two full bites. It's a medallion. <laughs> it's one medallion of beef. Mm. It's not. You can't share it. You you could not. And it's a food festival, so it needs to be enough that everybody gets a little bite. But like, you would have to buy three, and then I'm just going to go to La Celia. I'm not spending thirty bucks to stand out in the heat and eat on a trash can. I wow. mean, you did for me, you yeah. know. But uh, maybe it was a bad day. So we are. I did make a note. We have four booths that are opening up in um, August. We have. Hawaii Noodle Exchange, Mac and Eats, and Coastal Eats. I love all of them. I'm really excited about the Musubi. I am going to give everything a new round in August because, you know, hey, maybe we update some things. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the fact that the festival is going on so long now that they have basically an all-star break in the middle and uh, and then they start up with phase two, right? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's good because we, Jim, you and I have advocated for rotating menus oh, no, no, for longer for, for years, right? So it's good that they're actually doing it. Given that food and wine now, it's like the expiration date on a Twinkie. Hey, pal, you should live so long. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't you worry about it. I'll be here when you're ready. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> literally, literally the, should, should be the, the motto for every Epcot festival. 
but seriously, yeah. with it this long, they, they should take advantage of it. And hey, come back for the second menu. Yeah, man. All right, fantastic. Well, thank you for that, uh, Christine. And uh, I'll be, you know, should go next week or this week, actually. And uh, uh, go yeah, we'll highlights. Got- uh, VNAs and next month is Halloween. So happy. This <laughs> <laughs> is August 12th. I'll be at the very first. Mickey's not so scary. <laughs> We're within two weeks of uh, Halloween. Enjoying my, bo- <laughs> my bag of melted candy. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll be there. <laughs> all right. We'll have, you, uh, we'll have you back on for all of that. That's great. Cool, cool. Thank you, Chris. All right, folks. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, Jim tells us how Disney converted Norway's Maelstrom ride into Frozen Ever After. So whatever you're planning to do, let it go, because we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. We left off, Jim, at the end of part two with brand new boats uh, coming in the Maelstrom ride and all of the splashy effects in the North Seas scene dialed way down for Maelstrom. So no more crashing waves, no more rain from above. Uh, But the issue that Disney was running through here is that Maelstrom's hourly capacity was maybe 1,000 people per hour or maybe 900 if things weren't going so great. So on an average day, maybe 10,000 guests were getting through this. Also, uh, the Acre Shoes restaurant, uh, we both noted, had many different kinds of herring. In fact, probably many more than the average guest wanted. So Disney was about to make some changes, including uh, character dining at Acre Shoes, but also for some other things. What, uh, what happened next? I wanted to bring in an, an actual expert, somebody who could really give us the inside. The inside of, of the Frozen story. Yes, as in somebody who, you know, had a front seat to the transformation here. And so I reached out to a friend of the show, Josh Gadd. And I, I was trying to get him to come on the show, but it turns out that Mr. Gadd is actually on the other side of the planet right now. He and his family are vacationing in New Zealand. In fact, ah. I asked him for his input on this and because he grew up in Florida. South Florida. He's from like Hollywood. There we go. And, yeah, I'm from Fort Lauderdale. Uh, you know, and the thing is that he was born in 81. So when he started going to Walt Disney World, Epcot was brand new, and it was the, yeah. the absolutely, it was his favorite park. 
Oh, yeah, me too. Yeah. And so just the unified, uh, you know, themes of science and discovery, particularly from an early age, and, and inspired him and awed him. And he, he wants to say that the family went in 82, but his first real memories were, were from 84, and he remembers Horizon, the world of motion, <sighs> imagination, and the land, and particularly universe of energy, with the curtains coming up and seeing those enormous dinosaurs. It was all magical. And, and he also visibly remembers eating at Alfredo's in Italy. <laughs> I swear to God, if you went in 84 and ate at Alfredo's, I think he might have been on the same family trip that Chris and I were on. Because honest to God, we did that in 84. And my, I think I've talked about this on the show. When my dad bought us lunch in Alfredo's, he was the most pleased, and I'm not exaggerating, probably the most pleased I have ever seen that man in a restaurant. Honest honest to God. Like, I remember where we were all sitting at the table. Mm -hmm. That's how memorable his happiness was to me as a child. Oh, that, that makes me cry. That's, that's so sweet. <laughs> that's oh. cry thinking about it, but you are a hundred percent right. Like I know where we sat and everything. Yeah, I mean that's one. Of, so yeah. So apparently, uh, Josh is like a uh, uh, sixth person in, or seventh person in our family. Sure. All right. There we go. There we go. You know, we Christy and I always joke that we have a, a brother whose um, paternity is questionable. Maybe maybe there's a mix up. Well, at a hospital. Not, I wasn't joking. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I seriously think we need to get him tested. Maybe, okay, the next time next time we're with Josh, maybe we just get a quick hair sample. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm okay. On. We'll, we'll don't don't tell him, though. Don't okay. tell him. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Anyway. Now, now in, in regard to Maelstrom, he actually remembers when the Norway and the Living Seas open. He says, I forced my parents to take me. Uh, <laughs> you know, and Norway was incredible because it was the first true ride that felt like it lived up to the promise and the scale of World Showcase. I mean, he always loved the Mexico ride, but it didn't feel epic like Norway did. And from the moment you, you begin that ascent and the one-eyed Viking, I mean, this is yeah. Josh himself saying, the spirit of Norway has always been, will be that of adventure. That gives me goosebumps every time. I also used to love the film at the end and, and wanted to get on a plane and fly to Norway. So again, Len, your encounter <laughs> at, at customs. You know. if, I, if I already did not have a twin, I would say Josh is it. But okay. okay. All right. So anyway, we jump ahead and Frozen, the movie, is in production at Disney, 2012 with their buds. And just a little aside here, people really don't understand how late in the process Frozen came together. I mean, there were oh. in, in 2012, there was they were still trying to figure out what the relationship was between Elsa and Anna. You know, they had the okay. Snow Queen who lived up in the mountain, and they had this young woman from the village who went up to visit the Snow Queen, and it's just and it wasn't working. And they were on their umpteenth draft of the script, and to this day, they don't remember who in the story meeting said, Maybe they're sisters. <laughs> but that literally turns the entire movie around. It's like, oh my God, how could we have not thought of that? And they literally had what they then called the Sisters Summit. So the idea that they bring all the women who work in feature animation into a conference room and it's like, okay, tell the really awkward sisters stories. Oh my God. When you don't the next one can we have that next year instead of the extravaganza <laughs> well, there we go the, the sister summit too and you got to remember that josh started out on this project 
even before then. And in fact, there was an, an, an earlier version of the Snow Queen where there's a story about the very first reading of this thing where this version of the Snow Queen, the Snow Queen was actually a show queen. Uh, they were going to have her, well, at the reading, uh, it was Megan Mullally from Will and Grace. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Karen, yeah. who read for the role. But what she was reading for the role because Bette Midler wasn't able to make that reading. Oh, God. Also a great choice. Josh, at that point, was the Snow Queen's minion. It was a role much like Iago, and his superpower was because of his carrot nose, he could smell you coming from far away. So it was like, <laughs> somebody's coming to the castle. I think she herds goats. <laughs> There's this great story about Josh's, Josh is always a huge Disney fan, always loved animation, desperately wanted to be in a Disney film and was at this reading of this version of the script and very professional and walks out of feature animation, gets in his car, picks up the phone and and calls his agent. It's like, get me off of this movie. <laughs> you know, I thought it was going to be I- Iago. I'm a snowman who smells people from far away. I don't want to be in this movie. Anyway, jump ahead. The folks that Josh worked with, Bobby and Kristen Lopez, who, you know, who work, he worked with on Book of Mormon, end up yeah. taking over writing the score for Frozen. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, you got to get Josh. He, he would be great for this Olaf character. And they convince him to come back. And from the get-go, everyone identifies Olaf as the breakout character. So the film is wrapping production, and Imagineering is already raising its hands. In fact, hey, Josh, come over here. And the first thing they do is they have him read a brand-new narration for a second edition of World of Color at at Disneyland. It was called Mm. Winter Dreams. It debuted in November 2014. Also, Disneyland had one of the very first meet-and-greets with Anna and Elsa, and the gimmick was that outside of the building on the rooftop was Olaf, who would then talk to the people in the crowd. Oh, yeah. And Josh recorded a whole set of lines for that. And and what was particularly great was when the attraction was closed at night, they actually recorded an alternate track where it was Olaf on the roof snoring and occasionally muttering incoherently. But Josh loved all of this. It was just he felt like it was such an honor to be part of this. So he talked about how one of his favorite things ever at Disney was the Robin Williams and and particularly the the Timekeeper show. Oh, Timekeeper and then uh, with... uh... Uh, Walter Cronkite over in the studio tour. There we go. But but the thing about the Timekeeper show is there's a, there was this wonderful thing at the end where Robin Williams said, well, that's a show. Get out. Get out. Get out. Yeah. And, yeah, and so he end, said yeah. what was great about doing Olaf for World of Color Winter Dreams is that he got to do that sort of end of spiel show to the effect of, well, that's lovely. Okay, everyone move along. Come on. Get out of here. Like, you know, that, that sort of thing. And, yeah. you know, he was sort of trying to tap into that Robin Williams energy. Anyway, as soon as Frozen comes out, John Lasseter, the then head of of Disney Animation, they start talking about, we've got to bring this into the park because Frozen became this phenomenon, eventually selling $1.2 billion worth of tickets worldwide, winning an Academy Award. So it's like, we need to get going on bringing this into the park. So Josh gets a call and come on over to Imagineering and hey, we're going to do a Frozen attraction it's like oh oh cool i can't wait and it's like so where where are you gonna build it where it's gonna go well it's going to epcot and it's going where maelstrom is and josh is like no <laughs> no you can't get rid of that ride it's a classic and it's like he says of course they didn't need my opinion <laughs> you know but i was truly concerned that we wouldn't be living up to the high bar of the original ride so yeah. imagineering says come with us they take him down to this tiny room at glendale they put this sure. vr rig on his head 
and they give him a virtual ride through. Oh, he for, got to see the cave. Yeah. He, he, Get the, the cave equipment. Oh, I've heard about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. And he said it was one of the wildest things I've ever experienced. Truly mind-blowing. And during that same session, they even showed him some of the stuff they were working on for Shanghai. So it was like <sighs> double prizes. Here's the frozen ride. And by the way, here's what we're going to do on the other side of the globe. So... As for his part in Frozen Ever After, he says that we recorded in 2015 and it was only one session. And Bobby and Kirsten had sent us everything. And you got to remember that it wasn't just Josh who was coming back. It was Jonathan Groff, it was Adina Mazel, it was Kristen Bell. They all came back to do the attraction. So the, the Lopez's walked the voice cast of the original film through everything they were going to do for the ride. And the process of working with the team on all these things was pretty effortless because, you know, at this point, we're a well-oiled machine. And he said, the first time I saw the walking Olaf, my jaw was on the floor. I love animatronics. And to be one of the coolest ones WDI ever built was a real honor. Oh yeah, so that's that's the very beginning of Frozen Ever After, where they're uh, they're doing the scene and Olaf is like skating, walking mm-hmm. around. Yeah, that actually is a really great uh, oh, animatronic. It, it is, it, it, and it's it's a wonderful start to the attraction. I mean, the fact that what I love about that is if you're in the right seat on Frozen Ever After, Olaf locks you know locks eyes with you and then walks and follows you as the boat moves. I mean, that's mm, a great yeah. effect. No, it's really good. It's it's one of the highlights of the ride, yeah. Josh really feels honored that he got tapped to do the voice of Olaf and particularly got a second chance at it after the whole, you know, I can smell you coming from a mile away. But he sees Olaf, the character. I mean, face it, we've, we've had Frozen 2 released in 2019 and the holiday special and that sort of thing. He's actually seen the character grow over time. He says, you know, if you, you so? think of a toddler... Uh, you think of in Frozen 1, Olaf is really a toddler at that point. By the time we get him in Frozen 2, he's more of a tween. And very quick to prize, uh, Hiram Osmond, who, by the way, that, that's, that's Donnie Osmond's nephew. They, he does a lot of the Olaf stuff that the studio has done. Like, I don't know if you've, you've seen the Olaf present shorts that have been on Disney+. Plus or, Oh, they're hysterical. Yeah. yeah. Or, or the Olaf at Home stuff that was done last year. According to Josh, his favorite moment of the entire attraction is the Let It Go scene. And he says... It gives me goosebumps every time I ride and seeing the joy on on my girls' faces. I'm reminded how brilliant it was for the Imagineers to use the ride system to to accentuate the, the iconic music. The boats in that point are almost choreographed to the music. And he says, mm-hmm. if there's a bummer, it's that my kids also can't experience Maelstrom. And he hopes at some point in the future that the Imaginators will create some sort of virtual ride-through of all the extinct Disney attractions so that we can one day share that with a loved one. And he and his family got to see it for the first time in the winter of 2016. Oh, great. And by the way, his family all still lives in Florida. So they try to bring the girls down every year to visit with family. And when they finally took his two girls on the Frozen Ever After ride, they lost their minds when they saw Olaf because it's like, there's Dana! And <laughs> which he said had to have confused the other people in the boat. <laughs> They're probably like, oh, that's cute. That girl thinks that her dad is Josh Gad. <laughs> and if things had gone according to plan, Josh would be one of the only people to have had two, hosted two rides or, or made appearance in two attractions at Epcot. Because they originally wanted him to serve as the host. 
of the Beauty and the Beast sing-along show. Uh, in oh, because right now it's, uh, it's Mrs. Potts. Yes, it is. But uh, the, the thinking initially when the project got underway was mm-hmm. the live-action version of Beauty and the Beast had just been released to theaters. And so they thought, okay, so we'll get Josh, who played LeFou in that movie, and he can tell the story himself, the whole notion of it was LeFou all along who was setting up the storyline. But they then decided to pivot and make it about the animated version, but they were still asking him to host it. And it's like, in my mind, that made zero sense. Yeah, I mean, you you hate to turn down an Imagineering request for something, especially if you're a huge theme park fan, but it's got to make sense, right? That's it, exactly. But he said, I love the Imagineers, and I'm always happy to to make my mark I can when I can with their brilliant attractions. The funny thing is I'm, I'm reading the, you know, the notes that, that Josh sent you and, mm-hmm. and here's my concern yep. that if I ever actually meet Josh in person, mm-hmm. we're going to have nothing to talk about because I agree <laughs> with him on everything. Like, like, like Chrissy, I mean, part of the, part of this could be my own biography, right? Chrissy, you were there for a lot of it, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> He's a better singer. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, there's that. Right. But <laughs> My God, this is great. But once Josh gets back from New Zealand, we will have to invite him. To finally bring him here in person. There's yeah, if on the anything, show. Yeah. Drew Taylor, I just recorded a new fine-tuning with him this morning, but he reminded me that the Arendelle, the Frozen Dining Experience on The Wish, they have, it's a supersized Remy. You remember, you know, when, when Chef de France, they used to have the, the little animatronic Remy that yeah, rolled, yeah, yeah. rolled around Briefly, Yeah, yeah. Evidently on The Wish, they have this two-foot, Tall animatronic Olaf that they roll around the restaurant. Who you know that you know who reminds people. I mean, be sure to ask for the second dessert. <laughs> Evidently, Josh recorded new lines oh for this, so great. we'll definitely have to follow up with him about that. So, oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, we have to have him on. I can't wait to. Uh, well, we're going to be on the Wish uh, in September, so we'll uh, we'll have to look out for this. We are, we are, and, and after I get my fill of pork shoulder and lettuce, you know, because again, you, <laughs> you have to build up your stamina. But you're going to get get some health going before you get on that boat. So that is a fantastic story, Jim. Thanks for uh, thanks for engaging with uh, with Josh oh, no, uh, to no, get no, that no, in. No, uh, he, thanks to Josh for sending that in. He is as sweet as you would would hope that he would be, and more to the point, crazy, crazy, super Disney super fan. Yeah, uh, there's nothing wrong with theme park nerds. There That's fine. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the Disney Dish show today. Please help support our show and to Jim Hill Media by subscribing over at DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com, and you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes. On next week's show, the incomparable Mrs. Shannon Ford is on to talk about her inaugural cruise on the Disney Wish. And we've just released a new Bandcamp exclusive on the Crane Company Bathroom of Tomorrow at Disneyland, so look for that. You can find more of Jim at jimhillmedia.com and more of me, Len, at touringplans.com. Thanks for coming on. Chrissy, where can people find you? Thanks for having me. Touring plans, Instagram.com, Twitter. Twitter, Orchid, LinkedIn. In front of this swanky softest spot. <laughs> exactly. That's <laughs> <laughs> <Better marry. laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll, uh, we'll look for you there. We're produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who'll be defending his World Crappie Fishing Championship belt as part of the Greater Grenada Downtown Jubilee on Saturday, September 10th, 2022, starting at 9 a.m. at Downtown Square in beautiful downtown Grenada, Mississippi. And Jim, by the way, I actually had to call the Chamber of Commerce to ask them how to pronounce that. And they wanted to know why. And I gave them the story. And the woman was like, Okay, good luck with that. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, anyway. While Aaron's doing that, please go into iTunes and Radar Show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We'll see you on the next show.